Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish, Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Kyle Boone's here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. You've had consent for months. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, please knock that out while you're here. Okay, strong jaw. National semifinals in the book. In game one, Kansas routed Villanova 81-65. Game two, all-time classic. North Carolina top Duke 81-77. I think it's appropriate to start with the nightcap. Duke led at the half. Led with 61 seconds remaining, but North Carolina closed on an 8-3 run in the final 61 seconds, highlighted by six points from Caleb Love and Hubert Davis's Tar Heels. They beat Mike Krzyzewski's Blue Devils for the second time in a month to end Coach K's legendary career in an all-time great national semifinal, arguably the greatest national semifinal in history given the stakes. I was on set for CBS Sports Network just outside the Superdome. Kyle, you were inside. What was it like to witness that instant classic in person? Chaos. People in the building, I think for probably the last 15 minutes of this game, were standing. And the tension was palpable. You could see it in the stands. You could feel it in the building. And you could see it even in on the on the Duke bench especially. To me, I thought that was most notable. I, I had a seat just across from the Duke bench. And Coach K is obviously he's got his stool and he's up and he's down and he's up and he's down. And he's always like that. But the entire Duke assistant staff just living and dying on every shot late in this game. You could feel the stakes were obviously high and it's the final four. This is obviously huge stakes. Um, it's it's Coach K's final game as a college basketball coach. But um, just being in the building just – I think kind of elevated just how big a moment this was. It's Duke near North Carolina, the first time they've ever met in the NCAA tournament. And this game was, was just a classic. I mean, there was 18 different lead changes, 12 ties back and forth all the way down to the wire. Caleb love was awesome in this game and finished with 28 points, had the dagger three pointer with about 25 seconds left. Um, he's, he's been really good in this NCAA tournament, but those were kind of my overall takeaways, just being in the building uh, watching this game. Caleb Love had already had a 30-point game in this NCAA tournament to lead a come-from-behind win to help North Carolina get to this point. And then he he turns this one in, uh, which was, you know, that's legendary stuff. To go, I believe he said it was 28. I think that's what it was, 28 points. Uh, to go 28 points in the game that ends Mike Krzyzewski's career, I mean, what? And um, I had written a column, very short column. I, I'm hesitant. To even call it a column but i had typed some words i guess it was last saturday night around two in the morning 
I popped into our Slack uh, just to see what was up because when I'm in studio, I, I can sort of there's a lot of people going at it in there, and I can sort of lose track of what's what. So I was you know sort of scrolling through it, and I saw um, a question from from one of our bosses. And it was like for the for the Duke haters, not for everybody and certainly not for me. I'm not a Duke hater. I never have been. But for the Duke haters, like if you are you somebody who who identifies as a anti coach, K anti Duke person, what would be the more hilarious ending to Coach K's career? Would it be because remember, at the time, North Carolina and St. Peter's still had to play on Sunday. Would it be St. Peter's upsetting Duke in the final four? The Peacocks? I'm not going to do it. Or would it be uh, North Carolina eliminating uh, Duke from the Final Four and and ending Coach K's career? And I said it would be North Carolina. From that perspective, it would be North Carolina. There's no doubt. And then the next thing I saw typed was, hey, could you, could you write that? And I was like, you know what? I'm so tired. But, yeah, I, I guess I could. I'm probably not falling asleep for another 90 minutes. I could knock this out. And so I did. And the, the point I made is that if you are a Duke hater – or a North Carolina fan, and you are interested in being able to tease Duke forever, or at least for the foreseeable future, like you got to think of the way it would have played out. Option one, St. Peter's beats Duke in the final four. All right. That's wild. I mean, it would be the wildest story in the history of the sport. If St. Peter's were getting ready to play Kansas Monday night for the national title. But if you're a Carolina fan, how much fun can you have with that? given that the only way St. Peter's would have ever played Duke in the Final Four is to beat you, right? And if you're a Kentucky fan, which makes you an anti-Duke person, how much fun can you have with that, given that St. Peter's beat you too? So the two schools, best I can tell from social media, that hate Duke the most are Kentucky and North Carolina. And the only way St. Peter's could have played Duke in the Final Four is to beat both Kentucky and North Carolina. So I thought that took some of the sting. It's a little bit like the... Ha, 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 you lost to St. Peter's in the Final Four. Like, oh, yeah? Well, you lost to him in the Elite Eight, and you lost to him in the first round. So what, what's the, we all lost to him. What's the joke? But for North Carolina to do this, I, it's why I thought this was the clear option. If you were trying to identify what would be most hilarious for uh, an anti-Duke person, um, because you now, against all odds, I mean, nobody would have thought this. any of this was even possible on the morning of the second Duke-UNC game at Cameron. But you end uh, Coach K's career at Cameron Indoor with a double-digit win that has him furious. Um, you know, even though he came back out after that game and spoke to the crowd, you could tell he was seething. But, as he said, the season's not over. Hey, this stinks. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, in fact, I'm sort of just saying what I think he was thinking. This sucks. This is terrible. I can't believe this just happened. But the season's not over. The season's not the end of our season. And then they go to the Final Four. And what an achievement. 13 Final Fours most of all the time for Coach K. Don't, get, don't let that get lost. But then you end up playing that same North Carolina team, your rival, in the Final Four, and they beat you again. And they end your career. Two of Coach K's final three losses will have come to – North Carolina, and though nothing is forever, I've heard a little bit of this about Duke. Uh, you know, North Carolina fans will have bragging rights over Duke forever, and Duke fans can't say anything for a while. Um, I agree with the latter. They're gonna have to shut up for a while because this is always gonna be the the counterpunch. But uh, I don't know about forever, but certainly for a while. If you're a North Carolina fan, 
getting to the championship game is a thrill every time, no matter what. But to do it under these circumstances, I, I can't imagine anything better. Yeah, and and when North Carolina did take out Duke in the regular season finale, what was Coach K's final home game? It felt a little bit fluky, right? Because Duke was a pretty heavy favorite. Just not long before that, North Carolina was flirting with the NCAA tournament bubble. They ended up getting in as, as a number eight seed. Uh, but this, this to me, kind of validated that like North Carolina, what they did in the back half of the season was for real. Like they, they've now won seventeen of their last twenty games, and yes. They are a number eight seed. They're only the fifth number eight seed to advance to the title game in NCAA tournament history. Only one of those has ever gone on and won it. That was trivia time. Do you remember? You know this. Repeat the question. There's five number eight seeds to ever advance the title game in, in NCAA tournament history. The lowest um, okay, I ever got, advance in the bracket. Who, who went and won it? Yeah. Okay, you know Villanova, Villanova 85. Yes. Is one. I want to say one of the Butler teams, the second mm-hmm. Butler team, maybe, yep. was one. Was was a Kentucky team with the Harrison twins one of them? You are correct. Okay, so that's three. I got two more to go. Yes, I think I'm out. Well, of you've it. got you you've got one more. I got one more to go. Yeah. Hmm. One more eight seed advance. Oh, was it Kimba? No. No, because they were like a four seed or something. They moved up pretty good because of that run yeah. through the PG tournament. Okay, no, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there and I'm gonna let you take it. Yeah, it's it's uh 1980 UCLA. Okay, they I would have never it. guessed that. Yeah, I, I would have yeah, never guessed that. But like, it's an incredible achievement for uh, an eight seed to ever get here. Evidence being, you, you just trivia timed it, and it's 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 very it's extremely rare. Yes. Um, but, and I've made this point a million times over the past week, so. Forgive me. Um, you know, my, my buddy Chris Walker, uh, former Villanova star and Villanova assistant and was the interim head coach at Texas Tech once upon a time. You know, we were on set tonight and he was talking about, you know, North Carolina getting the title game, upsetting Duke again. And he said, all right, let's forget about He's always goofing on me about Ken Palm and Torvik. And he's just, they, they, you know, he, he he's always goofing. I love him. He's always goofing. And he's like, let's just throw Ken Palm out the window and all the computers out the window because this is what happens when you play basketball. The computers don't always know what's going to happen. The point I had made over the past week, and again, I made on CBS Sports Network to counter Seawalk, was um, at BartTorvik.com for the past six weeks, North Carolina had been the seventh best team in the country. Four spots better than Duke. Now, that doesn't mean that North Carolina deserved a higher seed than Duke or the same seed as Duke, or it doesn't mean anything other than what I just said. For the past six weeks, which is like an extended, that's not a small sample size. Six weeks is six weeks. That's when your report cards come, I think. <laughs> but like, like for six weeks now, North Carolina has not been playing like an eight seed. North Carolina losing you know, by 17 to Tennessee, getting blown out by Kentucky, getting blown out five times by the time they lost to Duke that first time. That's why North Carolina was an eight seed. But North Carolina has not been playing like an eight seed for about six weeks at least. And don't forget, North Carolina was a preseason top 20 team because they got five stars on that roster. They uh, capitalized on the transfer portal. And it took them a while to get it together, but 
they finally got it together. I, I'm not going to have revisionist history here. I didn't think North Carolina would get to the Final Four or the title game. I didn't think North Carolina would beat Duke on Saturday night. But none of it's crazy when you focus on what I just said. Yeah, and after the game, uh, Hubert Davis, obviously North Carolina's coach, talked a little bit about what makes them so lethal, North Carolina. And he said, the beauty for us is that we have a number of guys that can shoot threes. We have a number of guys who can shoot the ball. Our emphasis is to attack the basket. We want to feed the ball to Armando. I feel like working inside out is the way for successful basketball. And he went on to talk a little bit about how just how balanced this team is, right? I mean, Caleb Love has 28 points tonight. He's had 30 in this NCAA tournament. RJ Davis, who finished this game with 18 points and seven rebounds, has also had a 30-burger in this NCAA tournament. Brady Manick had 14 points tonight. He had games of 26 points and 28 points earlier in this NCAA tournament. Armando Baycott. 21 rebounds tonight, 11 points. So there are, there are so many ways that this North Carolina team can beat you both inside and out. And I think that is what makes like, yes, they're going against Duke, the all talented Duke, with five potential first round picks. Right. But just the balance that they have any given night, someone can step up tonight. It was Caleb love. Um, Brady Manick was really big, but Monday night, who knows who it's going to be. And that's kind of the beauty of what makes North Carolina such a tough scout. And obviously for Duke, such a tough matchup. I want to give Hubert Davis some credit uh, because, you know, I believe they, you know, once they lost to Duke in Chapel Hill, got blown out. I mean, they were down. It, like we were starting to wonder, are they going to lose by 40? And they only lost by 20, but it was bad. They were never competitive. The game was never a game. And it was either after that game or shortly after it. Um, I, I wrote a column, sort of. I don't even remember what it was exactly about, other than, my God, North Carolina just got, ran off the court again. But there was a portion of it that, um, you know, focused on the fact, because it's a fact, that some North Carolina fans were starting to question, like, did we get this right? Like, everybody loves Hubert Davis. He's genuinely, like, the, the nicest guy in the world. Um, and when, you know, they decide to go from Roy Williams to Hubert, I think everybody is, is hopeful that it'll go well, but the truth is you don't know if it'll go well. You're just hopeful that it'll go well. And it didn't get off to a great start. That was obvious. And I sort of pointed out like, you know, people are asking big questions now and perhaps it's too early, but you know, this is not going well and, and it's impossible to, to argue otherwise and now he's coaching in the national championship game so every coach who has a rough november december january and even early february going forward is going to be able to point to this story forever and say hey it's not too late to turn it around remember what carolina did in 2022 but there are two decisions he made um that run completely counter to decisions that roy williams either made last season or would have made throughout his career that i think have helped North Carolina get to this point. The first one, and I wrote about this one very early on because I saw Carolina. I was on sideline for a Carolina game, you know, back in November or December, non-conference uh, portion of the schedule. And, you know, I talked to Hubert about it um, in advance of the game about how he decided we're not playing two traditional bigs anymore. Mm -hmm. Like Roy Williams forever had played two traditional bigs. Like last year it was Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks which is why Walker Kessler couldn't get on the court, which right. seems wild in, with the benefit of hindsight, but it's a true story. Um, 
uh, Hubert just said, I want space. I'm going to prior prioritize space and shooting. So we're not playing two traditional bigs anymore. We're going to, you know, have a stretch four. And that stretch four, you know, largely turned into um, Brady Manick, who's yep. been terrific. Um, early in the season, I think even, you know, middle of the season, it really, uh, you know, showed um, some deficiencies. Like Carolina consistently under Roy was one of the best offensive rebounding teams in America every year with few exceptions. And, uh, you know, when you don't play two traditional bigs, like those numbers are going to slip and they did. Um, but eventually, you know, having a stretch four out there banging home threes, like that obviously became a big thing, um, especially in the game against Baylor until Brady, you know, had to leave because of that elbow. And then the other thing he did that ran counter to Roy is, um, you know, last year, Caleb Love played most of his minutes as the lead guard. Yep. And Caleb Love is an, 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 a really nice talent. And obviously a big shot maker, big shot taker, not afraid of the moment, not afraid of any moment, not afraid of missing like 11 of 15. You know, he's going to take his shots. And, you know, Hubert wanted to have two, quote unquote, point guards on the floor. That's the way he's described it. I think part of I think that's partially true. Like, I'll take him at his word. I think what's also true is he decided we got to get the ball to Caleb Love's hands. Right. And, and let him play off the ball, catch and shoot, catch and bounce it, shoot it. But, like, we don't need him bringing the ball up the court because for every time he does get us into what we want to get into, he's just going to take a wild shot. Yep. And, and that, like, again, Roy Williams had these same two players last year, and he played Caleb Love as the lead guard. Hubert this year decided we're going to put RJ at the one. Caleb, we'll call Caleb our second point guard, but he's, he's going to be a two guard, you know, playing off the ball. And it obviously has worked brilliantly. And, you know... I couldn't be happier for the guy because when you are a head coach for the first time and it's not going well at a program like North Carolina and you're starting to get criticized, not just by people around the country, but by your own fan base, people who otherwise love you. I can't imagine that's easy. And, you know, in fact, I'm I'm 100 percent sure it's it's not. But he stayed positive the whole time, you know, um, you know, with it, by all accounts with his team, but just in general. And, and now he's coaching for a national championship on Monday night in his first year as a head coach. It is an, an incredible story, and I mean this sincerely. I'm not sure it could happen for a, a nicer human. And credit to, to North Carolina's defense, too. Um, after the game, Hubert, Hubert Davis was talking about how they wanted to slow Duke in transition. They wanted to get Duke to, to take and try and make contested shots. Well, Duke is not a very good three-point shooting team this season. In fact, they kind of live around the rim. Mark Williams had foul trouble. Duke had to try and live taking shots on the perimeter. Ended up finishing 5 of 22 from three-point range. Felt like that, along with Mark Williams's uh, foul trouble and Theo John, just Hall of Fame-level foul trouble uh, early in this game was, I mean, uh, four, four fouls in like 12 seconds. It was ridiculous. And you um, know what? I didn't, I didn't even mind that too much because it's like, uh -huh. you know, you would never under normal circumstances leave a guy in with three fouls in the first half. But it was like, this is, you know, we're in the final four. And if Theo John picks up his fourth, like, what is it really matter? We just got to steal minutes. We got to steal minutes with him on the court best we can. And so I actually agreed with the way Kay handled that. Like, if, if we foul out Theo in the first half, fine. But that's better than, you know, Mark Williams picking up another foul in the first. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and to me, I think I think that was kind of the difference is, is North Carolina was able to kind of rally its defense 
and make just enough big shots down the stretch. This was um, this was an epic performance, I think, from, from North Carolina, from Hubert Davis. It was really incredible to see them, I mean, on this stage in his first year. Uh, Duke, North Carolina, I mean, just everything about this game feels like it kind of just lived up to the hype. It, it was it was awesome. I mean, we were on – it's sort of interesting the way we were watching it. We had to watch, like, maybe the last eight minutes or so uh, on set because we – the way the contract is written, I guess. I've never seen the contract. I've just – this is third-hand information. But we I'll are contra- – we're contractually obligated uh, – not obligated, allowed to start our show as soon as the game is over. Um, but we have to wait for the game to be over. But we're trying to start as soon as the game's, you know, as soon as we can after the game's over. So we all have to watch the game outside on our set on some TVs. And those TVs have the raw feed straight from CBS. And, you know, so that's right in front of us. We're watching. Right behind us is a massive sports bar. Like we're right there on Fulton Street by Harris Casino. And there's a big sports bar with giant TVs, like right behind us. And because we had the raw feed from CBS and, you know, they were like watching on, you know, DirecTV or however they watch, they're like a minute behind us. And so like Caleb Love would hit a three on our TV and, and you would hear like on our little set, ooh, it was something like that. And then a minute later, you would hear, ah, like from behind us. It was like wild thing. So some people started like who were in between started figuring out. And they were like, dude, if we watch this little TV on this set, we'll find out what happened like a long time before these other guys do. Um, but it was interesting to watch the final minutes of that game in that way because you would have this moment and then you'd go, all right, just wait for it. This place is about to explode in 30 seconds. And then yes. it would just explode in 30 seconds. So it, it you know, uh, trust me, what you watched in person translated to TV. It was just an awesome scene, an all-time great um, national semifinal. And again, like – you know how quickly for we forget UCLA Gonzaga last year was an incredible national semifinal with the Jalen Suggs shot. But I do wonder if um, with all of the stakes here, like Mark few Mick Cronin, they're playing in a national, nobody's career was over. You know, this one was going to, you could end coach K's career and you could do it as the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure we'll rank them someday. If, you know, like in August of 2027, but um, I, I I think you could make the case that what we just experienced was the best national semifinal in college basketball history. A couple more things on this, and then we'll move on. Um, I know it's going to be a talking point, so let's just address it. It did not appear that the Duke players, all of them, shook hands the way you would normally do it uh, after a game. A lot of them went straight to the locker room, um, I want to give credit to Wendell Moore. It appeared that he did go through the handshake line, but like he really might have gone through the handshake line as a player by himself. Uh, credit to Coach K. Not that anybody deserves credit for doing the right thing, but uh, there's clear video evidence of him standing on the court, you know, seeking out North Carolina players, like shaking hands. Like he handled all of that, you know, as well as I think you could handle it. But, you know, if you're somebody out there wondering or tweeting, well, what are you going to say about the Duke players leaving the court without shaking North Carolina's players' hands? Well, here, I'm saying something about it. I thought it was wrong and embarrassing and uh, not the biggest thing in the world. I don't want to overstate it. I don't want to – I never want to be the old guy sitting on YouTube going, uh, and I can't believe those young guys didn't shake hands. Yeah, like They would have never done that in my day. You know, I, I'm never going to be – it's not the biggest deal in the world. But um, losing gracefully is um, 
is something that's a good quality. And for the second straight time that Duke lost to North Carolina, there has been some sort of handshake line issue, which again, it just doesn't reflect well. But uh, Wendell Moore did well and handled it well, and and, and Coach K did. Uh, it, it appeared too. And then we carried the post game press conference live on CBS Sports Network with K and the players. And I thought K was pretty good there, like composed. Mm-hmm. It, it, from what I could see, he didn't have this like big moment of reflection or you know anything that's going to be played for you know every year the next 50 years but he was like you know you know i've done this for a long time you know and he acknowledged i think i'll miss it but i did it for a long time and he obviously did longer than almost you know anybody else will ever do it like i really don't think it's an overstatement to say going forward we might not find it there there might not be anything like this ever again um there's too much pressure now guys are making too much money as has been said a million times in this era of basketball K might not have ever made it to like year four or year three or whatever it is. And so um, we might not ever see anything like this again. And the, the main thing I noticed from their Duke's postgame press conference, whether it was uh, Trevor Kills or, or Apollo, um, they seemed in shock almost like, mm-hmm. like, cause they didn't think this was going to be their last game. And yep. with, with 80 seconds to go, I think with like 61 seconds to go, they were actually leading the game. And then it's like Caleb Love knocks down a shot. You miss one foul, free throws, miss another one, free throws, the game's over. What just happened? They were up at half. They were up, you know, a good portion of the second half. Um, and they were up with barely a minute, a little more than a minute left. And then it's just over. And that's one of the things that's always struck me about this is um, how abruptly it can end for you. It's just like, hey, this is going well. Oh, all right. Uh, two minutes to go. We're ahead. We're headed to the title game. Nope. It's over. Your college career, if you're one of these one and dones, is done. Um, Coach K's career, it's over. Just the abruptness with which this stuff happens is has always been interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And Duke, and Duke had a chance down the stretch. Trevor Keels was driving. Uh, UNC fouled. He made a, a basket. It was in the NBA would have counted. He would have had an and one. Would have had a chance to make the free throw and, and potentially tie the game. That was not the case. Um, just felt like down the stretch, North Carolina had kind of. It wasn't just they caught the breaks, but they made the big shots. Duke didn't. Uh, Duke struggled from the th- from the free throw line. Uh, that was really costly for them down the stretch. Um, and North Carolina was just able to come up with with enough defensive stops, and and to me, I think that was that was kind of the combination of, of all of that. It was the difference. I was standing um, almost exactly where I am now when I saw the the handshake line thing kind of pop up. To from my from my vantage point, um, almost immediately as this game ended, North Carolina players just sprinted over to this other side of the court, and there's a huge North Carolina contingent like right here. And just fist pumping, like just yelling. Caleb Love was over here. Hubert Davis came over here and was like pumping up the Carolina fans. It didn't feel like Duke players just like bounced because Carolina players like didn't come to the handshake line either. They just sprinted right over here. But poor taste. It does feel like it, Duke has a tendency to do these type of things. Uh, they've done it before. So I kind of feel like they don't get the benefit of that. 
Yeah, I guess um, like perhaps this is not the type of conversation you have with your team beforehand, but you know, in a perfect world, you might and just say, hey, guys, whatever happens tonight, nobody's going to be able to criticize us for anything that happens in the handshake line. Win or lose, we're going to handle that moment correctly because that was, you know, um, again, not the biggest story in the world, but it was a story after the last Carolina Duke game. And, you know, based on social media, at least, it was a bit of a story uh, tonight. So Carolina beats Duke, ends Coach K's career. That was the second game of the night. Let's transition to the first game of the night, Kansas over Villanova. We're going to get into that next, but first. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So the first game of the night, it wasn't nearly as competitive. As the second final score was Kansas 81, Villanova 65. Kansas opened on a 10-0 run, uh, led the entire game um, by, I believe, as as many as 19, and just played brilliantly. I mean, every coach would tell you that, hey, we want to always play our best, right? Whatever. You're not going to. No, No team in the history of any sport always plays the best. So if you acknowledge that up front and say, okay, that can't be the realistic goal. What's the actual goal? Um, how about we play our best when we need to play our best? And maybe the final four uh, against a Villanova team that, you know, was trying to win a third national championship in a six tournament span. That's a great time to play your best. And I, I thought Kansas did. And, you know, I'll keep this simple. You know, if you'd have told me, you know, Saturday morning or, you know, three days ago, hey, I'm from the future. Let me just tell you a couple of things about Kansas Villanova. Uh, one, David McCormick's going to get 25 points. Two, Kansas is going to shoot 54% from three. That's all you need to know. Like, you don't need to know anything other than that. It's like, so how about did Kansas beat them by 10 or 15 or 20? Because there, there's, there's no way Villanova can be competitive when those two things happen, especially after they lose Justin Moore to a season-ending uh, injury in, in the Elite Eight. So um, it's it just sort of the way these things happen. Um, I happen to work with, you know, a bunch of either former Villanova coaches or Villanova players or Villanova fans. 
like uh, Steve Lapis, you know, was on set with me tonight. He's a former Villanova coach. Um, uh, Chris Walker is a former Villanova player. He works with us, worked, was on set with us tonight. Former Villanova assistant. And then Andy Tulin, who works with us in research, he's a diehard Villanova fan. And, you know, so we're, you know, in the spirit of transparency, we all watch those games sort of separately. Like you could stay on set or go back to your hotel. So a lot of us went back to our hotel to watch that game. And then, you know, we'll meet in the lobby after that game's over. And then we'll head back over to the green room and get ready to do the, the late show. And um, so the first time you see Seawalk or Lap or, or, or Tulin after that game, you're like, hey, hey, sorry. You know, hey, sorry that went that way. Uh, man, uh, you know, and every one of them was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, 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 just got beat by a better team that played incredible. Like, like none of them were mad or heartbroken or frustrated. It was just like, yo, man, Kansas would have beaten anybody tonight. It just happened to be us tonight. And I do think that's true. I don't think there's a team in America Kansas wouldn't have beaten on Saturday night playing that way. And if they play that way again on Monday night, and I guess by that way, it means McCormick goes for 25 again. They shoot 54% from three. Like that, they're not going to do that again. But if they were to do that again, they would win. They'd beat North Carolina by double digits as well. Um, yes. That that was an A-plus performance from the Jayhawks. And, uh, and there was really not much Villanova could do about it. And it, and it was eerily reminiscent to the 2018 Final Four when Kansas and Villanova faced off against each other, and it was Villanova doing the beatdown very early. That game was over. Um, I remember, I, th- I think I was preoccupied and came in like 10 minutes after the game started, and it was like already a blowout. This was the same case. Uh, Nova uh, in that game jumped out to a 22-4 to lead. This matchup, it was 16-5 to pretty early on. They led by 19 points in the first half. That was, their, that was Kansas's biggest lead in this game. Um, to me, this, this was obviously very impressive from Kansas. This was what I think we've been waiting on from Kansas because the Midwest region was always theirs for the taking when Auburn lost the number two seed, it it felt even more like that was the case. Number three seed, Wisconsin fell pretty early. Iowa, which was the five seed in that region, uh, fell pretty early and it seemed like things were obviously opening up. Uh, but they they haven't really put on a performance where we think, oh wow, that looks like number one seed Kansas. Like that team has a real chance to win it all. They they they've looked pretty good and they keep winning. But tonight I think was kind of what Kansas is at its best, which was when Ochai Baji is hitting threes and knocking down shots, when David McCormick is really involved on the boards and and on the offensive glass. Um this this team just has so many different weapons on the perimeter. I think is really impressive. And Ogbaji, coming into this game, was averaging twelve point two five points per rebound. He'd missed ten of his fourteen three point attempts in the four previous games. In this one, he was six of seven from three. He made his first six three point attempts. Uh, Kansas last week only made seven three point attempts. So. Um, it just felt like this was this was Kansas's night, but it was a really impressive performance. They, Kansas looked really good against Miami in the second half, and it felt like they were just able to kind of build on that. And this was a really complete performance. And and yes, Villanova was shorthanded, no Justin Moore. Uh, that Villanova already had a short rotation, uh, but I, I think Kansas would have beat just about anyone uh, tonight in uh, in New Orleans because just of how well they played. <laughs> 
And they are putting together now. If this thing goes the way it's expected to go on Monday night, and and we'll get to that eventually, um, they're putting together quite a run here. I mean, you, win your lead eight game by twenty six, win your final four game by sixteen, and then if they are able to, you know, put Carolina away by you know double digits, um, that doesn't really line up with some of the all time overwhelmingly uh, incredible performances from national champions. But the last three games have a chance to be total lopsided blowouts where they make it crystal clear um, they're the best team in the country. Um, yeah, like Abaji was – how about this? So I talk about these two amazing things that Kansas did, and none of them, neither of them is – oh, Abaji started 6-6 six of six from three. Like what? Yeah. It's just – you know, I'm, I'm sure Jay Wright will you know, give him two days, uh, two weeks, and he'll just be like, yeah, we weren't beating that team that night. You know, yeah. on a different night with a healthy Justin Moore. We could beat them, but we weren't beating them on that night. And sometimes you just run into that, and that's yeah. what Villanova um, ran into. And oh, by the way, um, you know we'd spent a lot of time talking about Rumi Martin heading into this thing. Didn't really give him anything. You know, he was off the bench, uh, one of five from the field. You know, finished with with three points. Played twenty one minutes, so he was in the game, but like didn't really do much, and it didn't it didn't matter. Um, it it didn't matter at all. And so now. Um, we're going to get Kansas against North Carolina in the national title game, which sounds amazing because it is two blue blood programs. Um, it's the man who replaced Roy Williams against Roy Williams old school. Um, it's Bill Self trying to get a second national title. But, you know, me and John Rothstein were talking about this, um, you know, uh, offset tonight, like. It's awesome that we're getting Kansas, North Carolina, but given that the alternative was Kansas, Duke, Coach K going for uh, a walk-off title, like no offense to anybody, but like that was clearly uh, the bigger story. So if that was clearly the bigger story and we didn't get it, a little bit of a letdown, but I think by the time we get to Monday night, we'll be over that. Yeah. Yeah. What's um, what, what's your what's your guess on the line, by the way? Early oh, I've line. seen it. Uh, it's either okay. four or four and a half. Yep. Uh, Kansas four by half. four or, or four and a half. Yep. And I think, I think what I will do is, I'll lay the points. Same. Yep. And the reason is, there's a lot of reasons. You know, first off, Kansas has been amazing in its past two games. So let's start there. Um, we didn't mention this, I don't think, but Armando Baycott, with about five minutes to go, you know, I think stepped on Leaky Black's foot. Was it Leaky Black's foot? Might have been. It's somebody's foot. By the way, yeah. Leaky Black made two threes. I feel like we should note that. Leaky Black was fantastic in this game. Sometimes we talk about Leaky Black, and this seems like a proper time to do it. Um, He was fantastic uh, against Duke, knocked down two threes. So Baycott Baycott had to leave the game, came back in, but anybody will tell you with ankles, like you can sort of play off adrenaline um, through it sometimes. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you leave the read on crutches. But sometimes you can play through it on adrenaline, and then you wake up the next day, and it's like – all right, this is not going. This this isn't great, and so we don't know what Armando Baycott's um, ankle is going to look like. And then, uh, you know, I'd be curious. And I guess there's no way to know this for sure. In fact, I'm certain there's no way to know this for sure. But like, you just play the biggest game of your life, and it went down to the final minute, and you ended Coach K's career. And it was an analyst. Uh, I mean, it was a rival rather, and um, and. Like that's a, that's an emotional high, and then you got to get up and play Kansas two nights later. Like, all right, 
you know, Kansas did not experience some emotional high against Villanova. They just yep. went out and whipped them from start to finish. Um, you know, uh, but North Carolina, like that's an all time, like it's almost like whatever happens, North Carolina still walks away from the season feeling incredible. We ended Coach K's career. We went to the title game in year one under Hubert Davis as an eight seed. No matter what happens Monday night, North Carolina fans, I think, feel amazing. And not in the immediate aftermath of a loss, but, you know, take a break, look back on it. Oh, wow, what a season. That was amazing. If you're Kansas and you don't get this done now, you're going to feel sick because you're in a title game and you're favored to win it and you've got what looks like the best team in the country. Yep. So I, I think for all of those reasons and perhaps – I can think of some more by tomorrow afternoon or late. I should say later this afternoon. Um, I, I think, I think, North, uh, I, I think Kansas wins the game, but you know, at this point, nothing with North Carolina uh, would surprise me. Let me ask, let me ask you this. Cause I believe you said you would lay the points with Kansas as well. So we're on the same page and, and then we'll wrap with this. Cause I know you're tired and, uh, and, 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 you know, it sounds like they're getting ready to lock the doors at the Superdome. This stadium's getting wild out here. <laughs> I, I, can, I, I think they're about to turn the lights off on me. Yeah, no, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard the background. It's been entertaining. So let's fast forward to Monday night. And let's just, for the sake of the conversation, the game goes as it's supposed to go. Kansas wins, North Carolina loses. How much of a story is it that Kansas, facing five level one violations, Kansas who if we ever get to a point where this bipartisan bill is passed that says you got to have these things wrapped up way more quickly than this Kansas thing um, has lasted, that Kansas wouldn't even be eligible for this NCAA tournament. You know, there, there's, a, there's a scenario one day where Kansas would not even be eligible for the NCAA tournament. They might be about to win. How big of a story is that going to be? What I just said, plus the, not fact, but possibility i'll just use that word that's a good one the possibility that kansas is going to win the 2022 ncaa tournament and then find out later this year they're banned from the 2023 ncaa tournament how much of a story does that become is it is it the dominant story yes it's it's undeniably the dominant story um I'm surprised that it hasn't been a bigger story this week and maybe it's just because we were waiting to see if kansas would advance i think this is probably going to be end up being the biggest story because there's a very real possibility Kansas wins on Monday and then is not able to defend its championship a year from now, Um, which would, which would just be wild. I can't, I can't remember anything like that. I'm sure it's possibly happened before, but I believe, I believe believe Kansas and don't quote me on this because I, because it's late and I'm tired, Mm -hmm. but I want to say that Kansas won the 88 title. And then wasn't able to go back in '89, but that that could I could have just made that up. Yeah. So there's definitely something coming down. For been punished yet, um, while other programs like Oklahoma State and and others have have faced some sort of punishment, eventually something is going to happen. Um, the program is going to face some pretty significant penalties whether that's postseason ban uh, loss of scholarships some sort of sanctions um, it's it's very possible they could be facing that as soon as potentially winning the title and in a few months from now having to face those <clears throat> yeah uh, because you know when these things happen 
and this is what's so interesting about the Kansas situation. When these things, we have these conversations about LSU or Arizona, um, it's always like, oh, and then what will happen to the coach? Well, we already know what's going to happen to Bill Self. He's got a lifetime contract. And in that contract, Kansas cannot fire him for cause for anything t- attached to that IARP case. So Bill Self, they just go ride with Bill Self no matter what. And you can feel however you want to feel about that. But from purely a basketball perspective, nobody could intelligently argue it's not the smart thing to do. And we've talked about this before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. And I'll say this, and then we'll get out of here. But I can remember when people were starting to, you know, ask questions about, so what if Bill Self gets like a year of suspension? What is Kansas going to do then? Then they got to fire him, right? And I remember talking to somebody, let's just say connected to the program, and they were like, why do they have to fire him? Okay, he's gone for a year. Norm Roberts can coach the team for a year. What would be better for Kansas basketball? Bill Self gets suspended for a year and Kansas fires him and hires whoever they hire, or Bill Self gets suspended for a year. Kansas just says Norm Roberts is going to coach the team for a year, and then a year later, Bill Self is back as the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. What's better? Given that a lot of people – Yeah, you want Bill Self. Like he's – now that Coach K is retired, and especially if Bill wins the second national championship, I think you can make the – make it a very easy argument that Bill Self's the best coach in college basketball. Yeah. Um, I think you could already make that case given all of the big 12 titles and everything else that he's done. Um, and you know, if you're Kansas, you want that guy as your head coach, um, you know, regardless of what he has to endure to remain your head coach. Um, but certainly, you know, Dan Walken from USA today to his credit, wrote a column about it um, in advance of this final four. There will be more columns written about it, especially if Kansas wins on Monday. At the very least, there'll be a part of those columns. Uh, but either way, uh, cannot wait for Monday night. Kansas, North Carolina, uh, two blue bloods inside the Superdome. Either story is amazing. Either Bill Self gets his second national title or Hubert Davis wins one in year one after replacing Roy Williams. You know, uh, six weeks after, he was very much on the bubble to even make the NCAA tournament. Just a wild turn of events. Dead leg! You're not dead leg. You're strong jaw. Look how tired I am. Look how tight. Look at that jaw. You sound bad. You sound like exhausted. No, I'm I'm like like I'm fine. I'm certainly not going to talk to you about how bad I feel. <laughs> but, but but I have uh I felt it today. You know, um today was a, a long day and sometimes I'm just tired, like sleepy, and other times I'm starting to feel bad. You know, like yeah. I I my body is starting to tell me it's time for you to like relax a little bit. And we've certainly uh, we've certainly reached that point today. <laughs> but you know what? I'll get a I'll get a good night's sleep or a you know a half night's sleep, and we'll get up and do it again tomorrow. And then uh, let's do it. The season you and Norlander, you and Norlander back tomorrow. Me and Deadleg at some Dead point leg. on Sunday. I don't think we've discussed a time yet, um, yeah. but we we've, we've got Inside College Basketball at noon Central, one Eastern on Sunday, uh, live from um, um, you know. The, the, the wildness of the streets of New Orleans. And that'll be a one-hour show, I believe. And then at some point on Sunday, I believe me and Deadleg are going to uh, podcast one more time before the national championship game. And then, you know, we'll be here live uh, on YouTube after the national championship game as quickly as we can get there because, again, I'll have another hour-long post-game show. Deadleg will be doing his thing. But yep. we'll get here at some point late Monday, early Tuesday. We'll knock that out. And then uh, – Boy, I can't wait to unpack a suitcase and put it up for a minute. Yes, looking absolutely. Looking, looking forward to that day. Strong jaw. Thank Let's you, buddy. 
Appreciate you, you being here. Go get some rest. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Lauren now. And thank you guys once again. Listen to the uh, I Own College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five stars, nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. I cannot tell you how many people have walked up to me here in New Orleans and said, GP, there's more of us than there are of them. So many more of us than there are of them. Fist bumping everybody. Perhaps that's why I don't feel so great. Maybe I need to to reevaluate my decisions. But I can't help it. I I get excited when people remind me that there's more of us than there are of them. Thank you guys for hanging out. I know it's late. It's awesome to see the numbers and that you guys are here. Like I said, we're going to talk to you again on Sunday, later Sunday, at some point. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.